Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we give a hand clap of praise for the worship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning? God is good, and I'm so thankful that we have a God that does run after us and that he is faithful. Amen. That just brings me great comfort this uh, morning. Well, before we uh, open up this morning, I do want to point this out to you, that when you came into the church this morning, on the steps of uh, the church uh, was a table that was uh, promoting Operation Christmas Child uh, through uh, the Samaritan's Purse, uh, where you pack a a shoebox full of goodies for those who are less fortunate. And so, uh, church, I just want to encourage you to uh, take part in that. Miss Brenda Parker and her team have done a great job of promoting that, and so I just want you uh, to take part in that so that we who have plenty can help those who are without. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you brought them with you, won't you take them out, please, and go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We are going to make it through a whopping three verses this morning. Yes! Three verses as we're going to continue the series that we started last week, uh, simply titled Joyful, Joyful, How to Be Joyful as we take this walk through the book of uh, Philippians. And uh, last week, I've got to say this, this was pretty cool, several of you um, came up to me either through a text or a phone call or you saw me somewhere and you just said, Pastor, I just got to tell you this, last week. Um, While you were preaching on this topic of joy, all I could think of was a song, I've Got Joy. Y'all remember that song? I learned this when I was a child, when the student, I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Now spell it, J-O-Y, down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Anybody know that song? Two of you. Well, forget it, because they're all right. Jesus put it there. And nothing can destroy, 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 yes. I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. (laughs) That was the highlight of the message, y'all. This is nothing but downhill from here. But, uh, but anyway, as I've got joy, that's the book of Philippians. This morning, I've titled today's message, Joy in Prayer. Joy in Prayer. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a pastor who had a conversation with his daughter, and no, this is not a testimony of one of my daughters. But I reminded of a pastor who had this conversation with his daughter. His daughter uh, came up to him and said, Daddy, every time uh, you preach, before you preach, I notice that you bow your head before you say anything. Can you, can you tell me why you do that? And uh, the pastor, the dad said, well, honey, it's pretty simple. Right before I preach, I bow my head and I just pray, asking God to help me preach a good sermon. And his daughter quickly said, um, well, how come God doesn't answer that prayer? I pray that does not happen today. I pray that doesn't happen today as we look at at joy in prayer. Uh, This book of Philippians that we started last week and set the stage for the rest of uh, this series, um, the book of Philippians is a book of joy. And I told you last week that really this book is, it's a thank you letter. It's a thank you letter uh, that Paul writes to the Philippians for pretty much giving him a care package 
of when he was in a prison. So it's a thank you letter, but, but one thing we also need to understand about this book is this, that this book is also, it's a call to unity. It's Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and he's calling them to be unified. And he's calling them to be unified through one particular aspect or one uh, spiritual discipline of a follower of Christ, and that is through prayer. Um, some scholars believe that, that disunity was alive and well within the church in Philippi. And you say, well, Pastor, how do you get that? Turn over quickly to Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. And, 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 and ladies, I hate to read this verse. But it says in verse 2, Paul says, I urge you, Odia, and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony with the Lord. So apparently, ladies, there was disunity amongst these two women. Can that ever happen? No. The only recorded time in history where two ladies did not agree. Can that happen for men as well? Absolutely it can. But here in this church in Philippi, now mind you, this church in Philippi is only 10 years old. Paul started it in A.D. 51. He's writing this in A.D. 61. So it's a relatively new church, and they're figuring out how things are going on. But, but apparently there's some disunity here. Two ladies have been going at one another, arguing with one another. And so Paul says, one, he's writing to the Philippians, hey, uh, this, I'm thankful for what you've done, but, but you need to remain unified. You need to come together in unity. And, and what Paul is going to say in verses 9 through 11 is this, that one way that you and I can become unified is through prayer. It's when we as believers in Christ Jesus, when we as, when we as friends and when we as a church when we come together in prayer, in intimate prayer, when you, when you pray together, you pour out your heart, you pour out your soul with one another, what happens is supernaturally it brings unity together. Ian e. Bounds, one of my favorite authors um, regarding prayer, he said this, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be and the mightier the forces against evil. Isn't that good? I don't think you heard it. Let me read it again because after that I want you to say amen. That was good. Can it? All right. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. Amen. That's the power of prayer. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China and actually one of the forerunners to what you and I now call the International Mission Board through the Southern Baptist Agency that sends men and women onto the mission field. Hudson Taylor was a forerunner to that. Hudson Taylor in China said this, it is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. D.A. Pearson said this, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or any city that did not begin in united prayer. Prayer moves the heart of God. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, it actually moves the heart of men and women. And so this morning, what I, what I hope to do is to give you some practical advice that would maybe energize or maybe jumpstart your prayer life. And, and here's what I know about prayer. I know this because I've experienced this and I think you've experienced it as well, but I believe that prayer is the easiest and the most difficult spiritual discipline in the Christian life. I believe it's the easiest because 
anybody can pray. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your stage of life. It doesn't matter when you, became, when you became a follower of Christ. It doesn't matter. You don't even know how to pray, but you can pray. It is the easiest thing to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. But I also believe it's the most difficult. It's the most difficult because of this. It is difficult to maintain a, 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 a spirit of prayer over a long period of time. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm, I, I'm that way. You know, there, I can go through moments where I'm intense in prayer, where I can, I can get up early and I can get up on my knees and I'm, I'm motivated to pray. But then three days later, I'm like, man, I'm staying in bed. And so it's the easiest thing we can do, but also believe it is the most difficult thing that we can do as a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and, I, and I could go around and ask every single one of you, and I could ask this question, do you think you can improve in your prayer life? And to a person, everybody would say, yeah, absolutely, I can or I need improvement in my prayer life. And one of the areas I think that we can find improvement, and this is for me as well, and we can find it through the pen of Paul, is that sometimes we just don't know what to pray. Amen? Sometimes we just don't know what to pray. I had one, uh, one commentary said this. He said this, if you would take the word bless out of our prayer vocabularies, many of us would never pray again. Have you ever been in a small group and you say you take prayer requests? And then you ask somebody to pray, and they'll pray something like this. Lord, um, 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 would you just bless them? Uh, uh, Lord, would you just bless so-and-so? Lord, Lord, uh, uh, you, we, just, we just bless. And so many times, and, and I'm in this category as well, sometimes we just use this, this generic phrase of, Lord, bless them. Bless them. And there's nothing wrong with that, but... but I believe that in order for us to be effective prayer warriors, not, as, not just individually, but as believers in Christ, folks, I believe we've got to be more specific than saying, Lord, just bless them. I've told this story before. But several years ago, when I was on staff at First Baptist Church Atlanta uh, under Dr. Charles Stanley, uh, when I first went on staff there, some of the other staff did not tell me what Dr. Charles Stanley would often do. Dr. Stanley would often walk down the long hallway of all the offices. And whenever he would walk down the long hallway, what he was going to do is he was going to find an unsuspecting staff member and he was going to ask them a very difficult question. The other staff members didn't tell me this. So one day, I'm walking down the hallway and here comes Dr. Stanley walking down the hallway right towards me. And out of the peripheral, I see all of these staff persons, staff members, pastors, and secretaries diving into their offices out of the hallway. I was like, man, what's, what's going on? I, what's, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. Next thing you know, Dr. Charles Stanley is right in my face, staring me eyeball to eyeball. Of course, I was doing this. And Dr. Stanley, I'll never forget this. It's, it's kind of been a pivotal moment in my life. Dr. Stanley looks me in the eye, and he's got a big smile on his face, and he says this, Chris, let me ask you a question, okay? He said, how do you know when God answers your prayers? So in my mind, I'm going, okay, I have a seminary degree. I know the answer to this question. And here's what comes out of my mouth. Duh. I, have, I, I, I don't know. And Dr. Stanley just laughed. He said this, and he was kind and gracious, and he said this. He said, Chris, we know that God answers our prayers. We know when God answers our prayers when we pray specific prayers. Isn't that good? I don't think you're with me this morning yet. 
and I, hear me out. That's a spiritual lesson you need to learn right now. Are you with me? You and I will never know that God answers our prayers until we pray specifically. And many of us, many of us remain in the generic in our prayers. Many of us wonder why we still have some struggles or we're not getting through things. It's because you're remaining generic in the spiritual realm. Folks, we have victory. We have been given the victory by the blood of Jesus Christ, which he willingly shed for you. We, 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 we have power. We operate from a position of victory. So if we operate from a position of victory, we should never operate in the generic. We should never operate in this realm. Oh, Lord, I just wish, I just pray that you would do something. I can just hear God saying, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, listen, moms, dads, grandparents, when your son or your daughter or your grandchild comes up to you and said, hey, I just, mom and dad, I, I just pray that you would just do something for me. Moms and dads, what are you going to say to them? What do you want me to do? Because how many times have we said to our children, please be, just, just tell me. Be specific with me. If you're specific with me, then I know how to answer you. I know what's really on your heart. And I just picture God. I just picture him going, just don't be generic with me. Don't be general. If you want this, then pray for it. I mean, if you want salvation for your sons and your daughters, then you pray specifically for the salvation of your sons and your daughters. I mean, if you want healing, pray specifically for healing. If you want spiritual maturity, then you pray for spiritual maturity. If you want your teacher in school to give you 100 on that test, you better study. That's what you better do. <laughs> Amen? God ain't going to help you on that one, all right? You got to study. Well, anyways, let's look at verses 9 through 11. Because here's what I see in verses 9 through 11. I see a blueprint for powerful praying that moves us from the generic, that moves us to the specific, and puts us in the spiritual realm where that prayer becomes joyful rather than a burden. Where you can come and you can be intimate with the Father and you can enjoy it and you can sit in his lap and you can pray with joy. Well, <clears throat> well look at verses 9 through 11. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of breaking this up into two parts. The, the first part is going to be how to pray with joy for others. And so I want to share, here's how you can be specific when you're praying for those in your life, all right? I want you to write this down. Number one, write this down. Pray for others to overflow with love. The first area that you can be specific towards those whom you love, your children. Parents, this is a great way for you to pray for your sons and your daughters during the school year. Teachers, this is a great thing for you to pray for all of those students who are um, uh, in your class. Um, uh, Glenn County uh, uh, school officials and everything. This would be a great prayer to pray for our school uh, board as they're having to make difficult decisions. This would be a great prayer to pray for our, uh, our hospital leadership. This is a great prayer. And it's prayers of joy. Pray, number one, pray for others to overflow with love. In verse number nine, uh, Paul, he's already told us 
that whenever he thinks of the church in Philippi, he already has told us, man, I'm filled with joy for you. I, I, I enjoy thinking about you. So this isn't a burden. He's not looking down upon the church at Philippi, but he's saying, man, I have good memories of you. And I'm thankful for you, and I pray, I pray with joy for you. And look at verse number 9. He says this, and this I pray, that your love, out in the margin of your Bible, write the word agape. This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about any other type of love other than this godly love. And this I pray, that your love, that your love may abound still more and more. And circle that word abound, because here's what's happening when Paul writes this. Paul is using a, a word picture. Whenever he uses this word, the Philippians, they get it. They, they get it. That's, we kind of miss it in our English language, but, but this is what Paul is saying. When he says, I want your love, your agape love, which is sacrificial, which is both uh, moral, ethical, um, and, and what you believe and what you know. He says, and this I pray that your love may abound. That word abound, it literally means to overflow. It literally means to, to overflow, and it literally is it's, it's the picture of, of a cup, an empty cup that you fill up with water, and you keep filling it till it comes to the top, when it comes to the brim, and what happens? Then it just starts overflowing, but you continue to pour the water in. And so Paul says this, I want you, I want you to be filled with love so that it goes over and over and over and over. And moms and dads, what a great prayer to pray for your children. That you would pray, son, daughter, I pray that your love, your agape love, your sacrificial love, that it would just flow over and over and over. You know, this past summer, we had a sermon series on, on love. And John chapter 13, verse 35 was the theme of that, um, of that series. And it says this, by this all people know that we are his disciples. Do you remember what the last part of that verse is? Great. I'm glad that sermon really stuck out to you. That's really good. If you have love for one another. Now, we talked a lot about love in this past summer, but, but Paul comes back to this point. And he says, listen, to pray with joy means you pray that the other person's love just overflows. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that prayer is important today? I mean, this prayer, this prayer for love to overflow, I, I think that's the prayer that we need to be focused on so much as, as the body of Christ and even as our, our church. I mean, you, you all know... Um, There is a lot of division among believers today. And here's where the division comes from. Now what I'm about to say, this is, this is don't read anything into this and just, just by what I say. There's a lot of division whether or not you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. Whether you get the vaccine or whether you not get the vaccine whether our kids go to school or whether they do it virtual. 
And there's a lot of venom that's out there amongst believers. Are you with me? And this venom has caused a lot of division amongst believers themselves. And it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. You may have different opinions about masks, no masks, vaccine, no vaccine, school, virtual school. You, you, may ha- you, you can have that opinion. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no right to speak venom to anybody else who does not have that same opinion as you. Even in the United States of America. Your first priority is you're a citizen of heaven, not of the United States of America. Are you with me? This is spoken in love, by the way. (laughs) This is hard. This is hard. This is hard. And for us as a church, the issue, listen, the issue The issue is not masks. The issue is not the vaccine. The issue is not the school. The issue, COVID is real. COVID is real. The issue is the world will know that we are disciples of Christ by how we love one another. That's the issue. That's the issue. And Paul speaks to a church that he started 10 years earlier. And apparently he's heard that these two ladies in Philippians 4 verse 2, uh, these two ladies, apparently something's going on, and this is what Paul says to the church. He says, you live in harmony with one another. Now, harmony does does not mean that you believe the exact same thing every single step of the way. It says you make beautiful music together. That's what it means. One of you sings this note, the other one sings this note, and it's glorious. And Paul says, church, this I pray. And when I think of you, I think of, I'm, I'm joyful for you. And he says, I pray that your love would abound more and more, and it would overflow. So moms, dads, church, and this needs to be our specific prayer that And I don't understand, I don't understand how all the decisions are made, but here's what I know. My responsibility is this, whatever I speak, it's going to be done in love. And I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love you. And Paul says, do this with joy. Here's number two, write this down. Pray that others will grow in a deep personal relationship with Christ Jesus. In other words, you can pray this, pray that others will mature in their faith. Look at the second part of verse number nine. Paul said, I pray that your love may abound more and more, and here's what he says, in real knowledge and in all discernment. What Paul is saying is this, he's just talked about love, that we need to love one another, but now he's going to give us the parameters of that love. He's going to give us the parameters of that love. That love should be done in real knowledge and all discernment. This word knowledge um, means this, that it is experiential, that you experience God's love 
but also you know God's love. Does that make sense? It's, it's not just experiential, it's not just feelings, but rather there is this, there's this, there's this knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's this knowledge of God's uh, love, it's, it's you know God deeply and intimately. And so the way that you and I do that is we worship together, we, we sing, we lift our voices, but also we dive into God's word. I mean, you know this, we live in a society today that says this, that love is supreme, right? We must love Everybody, that's kind of what I just said just a minute ago, right? That we need to love. However, the world's definition of loving everybody and our definition of loving everybody is completely different. Amen? Amen? The world says you love everybody, meaning that there's no parameters, meaning there are no riverbanks that keep this love going in a certain direction. This means you love everything and everything is okay. And if we accept everything, then everything is going to be, it's going to be utopia. That's what the world teaches. But here Paul says, church, when I think of you, I think of you with joy. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to overflow with love, but I want you to overflow with love that has knowledge. Meaning this, that there's riverbanks to our love. Meaning this. Did you know there are some things that we are not supposed to love? Right? There are things that we are not supposed to love. The Bible's clear on those things, but here's what Paul says. When you pray with joy for people, you pray. You pray that they'll grow in a deep, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that they'll stay within the riverbanks of God's word. You love what this word says and you dislike what this word dislikes. That's love. Amen? Look at your neighbor right now and say, I am so glad I'm at church today. Amen. Amen. Write this down. Here's number three. Here's number three. Pray that others will make wise decisions. Moms and dads, pray that your children will make wise decisions. Look at verse number 10. Okay, Paul says abound in love. It needs to have parameters to it. And number three, pray that they will make wise decisions. Verse 10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Other translations will say this, to discern what is best. Eugene Peterson in the message says this, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent and not sentimental gush. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's good. The New Living Translation says this, I want you to understand what really, really matters. And what Paul is saying here, he says, church, I want you to overflow with love. I want you to know what real love is all about so that you can make wise decisions, so that you can choose what's best. Paul is not talking necessarily about choosing good or evil. That's relatively an easy decision. Amen? What's difficult is good or gooder. Right? Best or bester. Those are the hard decisions. Those are the difficult ones. But Paul says, listen, I pray that you would know, that you would approve that which is excellent. That word approve, are you ready for this? That word approve literally means, are you ready for this? You ready? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready like I've never been ready before. Say that. You're going to love this. That word approve 
means to discriminate. Told you you would like that, wouldn't you? It means to discriminate. It means to discriminate. Of course, our culture has, changed, has made that word discriminate into a negative, negative issue. And God knows that we do not dis- discriminate according to, to race or color, right? Male, female, we don't discriminate according to those things that are God-given. Are you with me? But discriminate means to look at two options and to choose one over the other. That's what it means. Every time that my family and I go into Minchie's ice cream, I choose one flavor and I discriminate against the other ones. Are are you with me? I choose this one because this is what I want. The world has so twisted the word discriminate. But for us as believers in Christ Jesus, we are to discriminate. We are to approve that which is excellent. We are to approve that which is good or gooder or best or bester. That's what we're called to do. Moms and dads, pray that for your children. Pray that they would make wise choices. Have you ever told your son or your daughter and say something like this? You know, that really wasn't a good choice. We say that a lot, right? Perfect example. Let me give you a perfect example. I saw this this past week. Walker Morrison, um, just this past week. This is great. It's a, it's a good story. It's a good story. Um, it was uh, uh, school. Um, everybody's, some kids are coming over here right in front of the church to come park for school over at GA. And, and Walker pulls up, and he decides to do something that many adults won't do. He decides in a big truck to parallel park. I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough thing, right? What's more difficult is he has his friends on the sidewalk trying to tell him what to do. <laughs> and then he's got cars behind him, right? And so, and I'm, I'm over here, I'm just over watching this, I'm going, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Walker tries a couple of times and can't get it. I mean, he tries, he tries, his friends are laughing and trying to encourage and you know, all of this good stuff, and he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. And then something clicked in Walker's mind. I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what I observed. Something in his mind said, you know what, this isn't a good decision. <laughs> he backed out, and he found a very perfectly safe place to park. That was a wise choice. But do you get it? Many of us. We try, 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 try. And God is saying, it's not wise. Parents, grandparents, pray for your children that they would have the ability to make wise choices. And this is what Paul is telling the church in Philippi. Church, I love you. I have so much joy for you. I want you to overflow with with, with love. I want you to to have parameters for your love and and for your joy. And I want you to to know what to do. I want you to make good choices. And when it comes to making good choices, and you know this, moms and dads, you know this. And you can help your sons and your daughters with this. When you make good choices, number one, you need to know what the right thing is. And number two, you need to have the courage to do the right thing. <laughs> Many of us know the right thing. We lack the courage. 
So that's where us as praying comes into play. I mean, we pray that our sons and our daughters, we pray that our friends will have the courage to do what is right. Well, let's finish out this, uh, this, uh, these two verses. Look at verses 10 and 11. Now, let me tell you, in these, in these two verses, I want to share with you um, what it looks like when we begin to pray specifically with joy for other people. And this is what we want their lives to look like. Number one, write this down. We want to see a life that is pure and blameless. When we pray specifically for somebody, we are praying that they have a blameless and pure life. Look at the end of verse number 10. In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul says to the church, I'm praying for you. I'm praying you abound with love. I'm praying this with joy. I pray that you know what love is. I I pray, that, uh, I pray that you make good choices. Why? So that you will live a pure life. Moms, dads, if there's one thing that we need to be covering our sons and daughters in, it is a life of purity. It's a life of purity. And that means, mom and dads, we pray specifically for that. I mean, there's been times where in my prayer closet I prayed, God, I pray this specifically, God, please keep my daughters from evil men and evil women. Keep them away. May they make good choices. May they live a pure and holy life. Why? Because God's word says through the pen of Paul that we need to be sincere and that we need to be blameless. That word sincere means this, to be, to be sun-tested, meaning you could come out into the sun and you can be tested and nobody will find anything wrong with you. And that's what Paul says. Moms, dads, grandparents, this is what we pray. Church, this is what we pray for our own people in our Sunday small group. We pray, God, I pray that they'd be pure. And I'll tell you this, moms and dads, I'll tell you this, if you're not pure, there's no way your sons and daughters are going to be pure. Are you with me? Because they watch and they learn. So we want to pray that they have a pure life. Number two, we want this. We want them to have a life that is fruitful. A life that is fruitful. Look at verse 11. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. One pastor said this. I love this. He said this. You tell what a tree is not. By, you tell what a tree is not by the bark it wears, but by the fruit it bears. We want a fruitful life. So, uh, uh, students, we want your life to be fruitful. Moms and dads, we want our sons and our daughters' lives to be fruitful. Grandparents, we want our grandchildren's lives to be fruitful. Church, as a pastor, I want your life to be fruitful, fruit that points to Jesus Christ. we got to pray specifically for that. Pray for a pure life. Pray for a fruitful, fruitful life. And here's number three, and they're going to be done. But pray for a life that is centered around Christ. Verse number 11 says this. The end of it says this, to the glory and praise of God. That we would pray, that we would pray that our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren, we pray that people in our church, we would pray that they would live a life that is sold out to Jesus Christ. That they would do what men think is crazy. Are you with me? That moms and dads, when our children get called to the mission field, we try not to keep them from the mission field. We say, go with my blessings to the praise and the glory of God. Let me close with this, and then we're going to enter into a time of prayer. As a kid growing up in um, a small West Texas town, about 10,000 people, um, I was often reminded that I was the son of Richard and Vicki Winford. Everywhere I went, I would hear this, oh, you're, you're Richard's son. You're, 
you're Vicky's son. And I would be, yeah, they're my dad, they're my mom. You, you know, as a kid, it's like, what? Yes, that's, they're my parents. But here's what I learned. I learned that whenever I was asked that question, it was a reminder to me that whatever I did affected my parents' name. Are you with me? That whatever I did affected their name. And I decided early on that I did not want to harm my parents' name. Listen, my dad gave me his last name. Winford. And I decided early on that I never wanted to make that name something that people would laugh about. I never wanted to embarrass my dad. I never wanted to embarrass my mom. Because they gave me life. As believers in Christ Jesus, God has given you his name. And we dare not make his name a laughing joke. Paul says, I pray with joy. I pray with joy to the glory and praise of God the Father. Church, I pray that that would be your passion as well. That you would not want to do anything that would harm the name of God.